It's Monday, June 18th, 2018, and you're listening to episode 487 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 46 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Wayne. This is Julia. And my name is Chad. All right, so we don't mention it very often. I was just thinking about that, so we're going to go ahead and give it a plug. Fear the Boot Patreon. We do have a Patreon what? site. For those of you that want to support the show and or get some extra content, because we do post things on the Patreon site only, including the raws of these episodes. If you want to hear the outtakes, the funny or obscene things we have to cut. Naked pictures the, of Dan. Uh, Julie and I were just singing, and you cut that out. Well, yes, because it was a mic test. The negative, It's a great song. The, well, the real treat, the negative episodes, which is where we let Brodor and Julia completely off their leash. <laughs> They're completely unrated, uncensored, and have really no topic boundaries outside of a very small number Chad and I had to work out for Brodor. <laughs> That's right. And the list. Also, for even if you just back at the $1 level, we do use you guys for polls and, and tastemaker. I hate that phrase, but that what? kind of stuff. They're the tastemakers. Yeah. In fact, I'm actually about to put up a poll about the Skies of Glass game because oh. Eric gave me something as background that's open-ended. And so I'm going to let the Patreon people the decide. Tastemakers? Yes. What the truth is. What the flavor is. Yeah. Where, where did this tastemaker thing come from? This is the first I've heard of that. You've uh, never heard it? It's a wildly overused phrase. It's amazing. I've never heard it. Tastemaker. Just say it with me. Tastemaker. No, where did this phrase come from? Moist. It sounds like your mustache. <laughs> moist, right. moist, moist, <laughs> moist mustache. No, a moist mustache is a taste preserver. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's not a, a flavor saver. It, it is. It's a flavor saver, yes. Mm-hmm. So the second thing that's probably more important than the first is I'm in a D&D 5e game, and I'm oh, playing geez. a Waymick. Woo-woo. Gross. That's right, Waymick in the house, all six paws up, raising that roof. I used to respect you. And he's going to have a dangle a dangle bag. <laughs> a dangle bag. That's right. All my character will be dressed in is just a big old, I'd say a banana hammock, but no, it, it's too big for that. It's a ball, it's a ball cozy. <laughs> I'm telling you. Hey, listeners, look up Human Taria. Make sure you turn off the safe search. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I never thought I would join Chad in his judginess, but this is my judgy face. That's right. We're judging you. The ball cozy will make sense. Yeah. On a centaur-esque. Thing. It's it's freaking brilliant. And I flew my pineapple flag and somebody <laughs> finally said, yes, we were making characters. And she's, you know, we were like, OK, where do we start? Right. So, like, what did you have in mind for your setting? And Human elf dwarf. Yeah. OK. Mm, half orc gnome sure mm, vampire she troll? literally said sure. no race was off the table yeah she said no race off the table so people throwing stuff out just being funny and i was going to play a knoll but she's ruined knolls <laughs> i mary if you listen to the show you you've got knolls all wrong you need to listen to what i and or gnarl which may or may not be the same person are trying to tell you that you have your knolls <laughs> all wrong they are completely wrong just objectively wrong <laughs> And Are they grassy? No. <laughs> but because of the fact that we're playing in a grassy savanna, mm-hmm. that is the natural habitat of the Waymick. And so I said, what about a Waymick? And she's like, I love Waymicks. I'm like, Are you kidding? <laughs> and she's like, No. And suddenly I used to respect Mary too. <laughs> <laughs> Has Dan found a soulmate? Ugh. I think I have. If she, I'm telling you, if she breaks up with this Conan guy. 
Totally. That day, I am proposing to her. Mm. Okay. That day. So, Conan, you, will you it's wear Conan? Conan, Conan, Conan. No, like, it's Conan. Conan. You put the it. wrong emphasis in the wrong no, letter. His parents did. That's the problem. It's <laughs> Conan's been because he's not with the Waymac game. What if he is? Then he's Gamic. <laughs> <laughs> You're Gamic. Oh, Jesus. So, this hurts. Mm-hmm. It should hurt. All this right. is going to be a fun game. We'll it is going to be. It's going to be an outstanding game. <laughs> it is going to be an outstanding game. But I'm just saying, I think William Hicks could be the entire basis of a relationship. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> you sicken me. <laughs> so, all right, look, what we're going to talk about today, actually, I can't believe I just unintentionally segued into this, mm-hmm. is relationships, yes. believe it or not. So we're going to talk about relationships within the context of a role-playing game. We were talking about between characters, and obviously that can have some spillover either direction based on the relationships of the players. But we were going to talk about the relationships between characters, and Chad and Wayne, you guys had an example or two Mm -hmm. to get us started, and then I've got all kinds of thoughts on this topic. Yeah, and we're not talking about... You know, when when you make a character and you're making your characters with a group, you sit like Wayne and I would sit here and go, okay... Well, Wayne, you're playing this guy. How about I play his brother? And then, you know, we've grown up since childhood and we have them. We hate each other, but, you know, it's blah, 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 this and that. We're not talking about engineering that. We're talking about how relationships. Well, maybe it is. I mean, maybe you can have that. But but just because it's on paper doesn't mean it's going to play out that way. Right. But in our Sunday game, all the characters are connected with each other and have history. But Wayne's character and Beth's character have this real connect, this this relationship that's a lot more defined, I guess. There's a lot more fidelity to it. And it, it, it stands out as different. Yeah, and just to be clear, we're not talking a romantic relationship between the characters. Right. Because it most definitely isn't that. No matter how much Dawn wants it to be. <laughs> right. So why don't you describe the what the relationship is? So both characters, if you look in their history, their fathers disapprove of them. Mm-hmm. And so they have kind of that. They grew up together and they have this real brother and sister relationship going. They will pick on each other. They will mess with each other. They will fight. And if anyone gets between them, you know, heaven help that person because all hell is going to rain down on them. And the two characters just, they click. Right. And it really is kind of that brother sister relationship of them before all else kind of thing. It's hard to describe because it sounds like, oh, well, I'll just make a character with another person and we'll just write this in. There's this like sort of secret sauce, this this sort of magic where you can draw all these connections between every single person in the group and all the characters are intertwined and interconnected and have paragraphs and paragraphs of history and what they're like and all this sort of stuff. But when you actually start playing, it seems to me that in a lot of games, there are characters that that connection is more than just words on paper. In the Skies of Glass game, Chad, your character, Gil, right. and Brandon's character, Dr. Poe, mm-hmm. they did not have any specific relationship coming into the game. A common start. Yeah, yeah. Per the group template, there was a tie-in between the characters. There was a line that connected the two that explained why they were in the mm-hmm. same place, would work on common goals, etc., etc., But there was no unique relationship between the two called out. But as the game has developed, the two of them have very much become 
birds of a feather. They, right. They've, they wouldn't say friends, but they're on the same wavelength. Yeah, they're on the same wavelength. Like Gil is a bully, and Doctor Poe is—he's not a bully. He's just—he's vicious. He's has a mean streak about him, almost sociopathic. He, no, I think he is sociopathic. Right. <laughs> I don't think there's any almost to it. <laughs> Doctor Poe is not sociopathic towards Gil, and Gil doesn't bully Dr. Poe. And I don't think either one of them fear each other or fear any kind of retribution. It's just that there's sort like of Like a bro-nod? Yeah, yeah, like the like this sort of bro-nod between them. Like, hey, you're a dick, and I'm a jerk, so we're on cool. this... Yeah, we're cool. We don't need to prove that with each yeah. other. And it it's this sort of relationship where it's a wink and a nod. It's not like... Wayne's character's relationship with Beth's character is very spoken. It's very it's very out there. They they have conversations with other characters and they're friends and friendly comment. There's planning and, and this is what I'm feeling and oh no and hey I know you had a hard life and that sort of thing. But when Wayne's character and Beth's character communicate, it's different. It's like this sort of I understand you because of this shared history we have. I get where you're coming from. Now, they don't say that, but th- that's the nature of the conversations of your character is feeling this pain. I am here for you because I understand. Part of that, I think, goes to you running the game, bringing mm. the NPCs in. Mm. It wasn't just a case of they have this history that's on paper and talked about. Their fathers have been NPCs in the game. Right. And you got to see some of that play out, the thing that bonded them. And I think that is part of it. It mm-hmm. it helped enable that to happen because it wasn't just something written on paper. We saw it. We right. We saw it. There was the, an, we saw the dysfunction that yes. has damaged both characters. Well, I think in that regard, the character to character interactions can be a lot like real life interactions, insofar as they can have an engineered starting point, but you can't engineer the continuity or, or mm-hmm. the truth of it. Right. So you can say, okay, I'm going to introduce these two characters the same way you would introduce two people, and maybe the chemistry's there, or maybe it's not. And I've certainly seen that within games. When we had the D&D game years mm-hmm. back, Narl, Sarah, and Sir William, right. it was on paper that Narl and Sir William had a relationship, that they had a long mm-hmm. friendship, that they had both at one point in time been each other's literal slave i don't mean nod and right. wink sort of i mean literally each other's chattel slave well that was narlin and uh, saren not sir william. i'm sorry did i say sir william? i meant yes. saren i meant mm-hmm. pat's character saren not sir william mm-hmm. but it was on paper that it existed but that didn't make it true in the game now it did end up panning out in the game right it did actually end up working out that way just because of the way the characters played out so it was to an extent engineered Mm -hmm. but it's like i said it's like introducing two people whether it's for dating or friendship or whatever you can't make something come out of that right i think what helped facilitate that actually happening in game in that case was the secret both characters had a secret that none of the other characters had and that brought like a major and they shared it together yes Yes. they shared it and it's a major world life change it wasn't like I like light beer and not regular beer. I wear girls' panties. (laughs) Okay, you know what the worst freaking thing in the world is? Mm -hmm. And if you're a married man in an average relationship, you have been through this. And 
probably never been closer to suicide than these moments, which is when your wife and her friends all decide they want to have a get together. And because they all have stuff in common with their husbands and surely all husbands like football and Xbox, (laughs) we'll just dump them in the living room while we do girl stuff. And surely they will all be best of friends within 15 minutes. See, You're, I'm lucky that all my girlfriends are awesome nerds and marry nerds or date nerds. So the, so, all the nerds okay. just get together so, yes. in a big giant nerd I'm not thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it can't work. I know. <laughs> but all I'm saying is it can very often not work. <laughs> right. right. You know, everything can theoretically be there on paper or not. Well, and that doesn't mean that people will gel or yeah. not. We, well, I mean, it's, it's like my family get together. I have a big, huge yeah. family on my dad's side and my family's great. I love my family. Just great, fun, good people that I have zero in common with. I mean, I love them to death, but we're just not into the same thing. So when there's a big family get together, it's sports and their kids. I mean, I have a kid now. I can actually kind of engage in that conversation, but I'm not really into it. Everything works out on paper. We're blood relatives. We've been around each other for years. Everyone's really cool with each other. Everyone's glad to see each other. And then when I'm there, it's like, yep, hi. But there are a couple of relatives that I have that I am closer to. I have my cool uncle who is a nerd, who plays video games, who yeah. plays role-playing games, who is into all this stuff. And it's like when when we show up to these things, we don't seek each other out consciously, but we gravitate towards each other, boom, and then we're there all night. You know what I do when I go up to a social thing like that? Mm-hmm. Two chicks at once. I wish. No, I walk it in. It's family. <laughs> no, I walk in and I look for the animals because I can relate to the animals. <laughs> If you see pictures of me at family events, at you know things with the in-laws or any of that, you I will have, have two hundred dogs. Yeah, I will have a dog on my lap, or I will be down on the floor with the dogs, interacting with dogs and not the people. You know, it's completely true, though. Uh, as a social thing, like you go out dog walking or go to a dog park or something like that, people who would otherwise walk past you and say nothing. Do stop. Be like, oh my gosh, what kind of dog is that? It looks like my dog. Can my, you know, can my kid pet your dog? Is that okay? You know, blah blah blah. What's his or her name? The only and- reason I know any of my neighbors, I know their dogs. Mm-hmm. That well, is how I know the neighbors across the street. That's how I know the neighbors right next to me is because they were out walking their dogs, and that's how I met them. And I may not know their adults' <laughs> names that they live in the house, but you know but I dogs. know the dogs' names. And when the beagles across the street moved out, I remember saying, you know. So sad that the beagles are moving. Mm. <laughs> now, it's the same in, like, mom circles, too. Like, you'll go to the Target, and you'll have conversations with people about baby food, like, random yeah. other moms. Like, it's the same thing. Like, all of a sudden, you have, like, commonality Shared that you get to talk about. Experience. Yeah. Like, oh, don't use that one, because this but, one's better. You know, you end up having a conversation. But to tie it back to role-playing games, though, when you make characters, if everyone's making characters together, you engineer those shared experiences, yet... Not all characters Play have out. that yep. fidelity yeah. of a relationship. Yeah, I because think, you've engineered them, you haven't experienced them. Yeah. Well, and I think in our in in our group, we have a really hard time with this. Like, I mm. think that there's only been a handful of time, barely even a handful of times that that's even happened between characters. Definitely never with me. Mm. And I think our problem is we start planning our characters with dice in hand. That's it. Mm. And then you know you get through all your stats and everybody has to leave, and you're like, oh, well, I'll finish my backstory at home. 
Yeah. And right, so, yeah, wrong order of events. Yeah, and so we never actually get into other things. And it's it's pretty common with our entire group. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's very common. And so we don't even get the basis of to even try to start a relationship. Right. Like, well, there's no the, real the good The characters seem like they just erupted from the earth. Yes. And now they're together and they're doing the thing together. Yes, yeah. yeah. And so I think that that is our problem. Mm. But... I also think that we are very heavy roll the dice players versus role players. And I think that might be why. Action RPG. Yeah. Like I'm pretty much in between. I'll do either. Does your group find that role play, like intense, ongoing, long role play gets in the way of the adventure and the combat? Not necessarily. I think it's actually kind of more the GMs have a harder time with it. Mm -hmm. Kirk's games are a great example. Completely different. Like that's way more role playing than Mm -hmm. rolling a dice. Um, but pretty much everybody else's tend they like the numbers. They're sure. in it for the numbers game. And I'm not, but I'm also cool with doing it either. Like mm. if that's the game that everyone wants to play, that's the game everybody wants to play, I'm on board. Yeah. But I'm pretty much I don't like I think that. I'm weird in some ways of I love the numbers. Mm-hmm. I love figuring out the characters mathematically and all of that. And I have no problem if I don't use a single number on that sheet for three or four game sessions. Yeah. yeah. It's like I love that aspect of it. But that doesn't need to be part of every game for me. Right. I much prefer the interactions and the role playing with the other players and characters more than the rest. But I love the numbers too. Yeah. Well, we have a couple particular people who would play that definitely make it more of a numbers game. And I know he doesn't listen. My brother's one of them. He's very antisocial. So it's really hard for him yeah. to actually get into the role playing. So he, di- he diverts to the numbers. So if he's ever in a game, it's like everybody shies away from role playing and building relationships because he's not going to, and we don't want him to feel left out. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. And we have a couple of those in our group. So that might be why we see that. I think if you want to do this, I have a three part advice on how to make it happen. Is it a bolded list or a Venn diagram? Uh, this one's actually a bolded. Oh, list. Okay. It's an unordered list. Thank you very much. First off, do build that common ground. I know we've been kind of talking mm-hmm. that down. But if characters don't have any common ground, shared interests, things like that, then even the seeds of a relationship are not there. Well, it, and that's like in Julia's game. If you don't build that common ground first, yes. it is as if the characters have erupted from the earth and now they're going in a direction. Mm-hmm. That's not relationships. Secondly, and as a refining comment to point one, is remember what really matters. Interests help. Mm-hmm. But interests only build acquaintances or conversation. They don't make relationships. If all you have in common is interests, you don't share core values, goals, things like that, then you're not going to get any farther than that. In the D&D game, Julie and I's character, one of the things that we worked out is the character that I'm playing. And the jokes aside, I really right. do try sure. to play this way, Mick, seriously. Uh, is this way, Mick, exists in a grassland. That's between major cities and is at a distance from even like hostile monster tribes has been run out of his own society and isn't really welcome in the human cities. Even Waymicks don't like other Waymicks. <laughs> and so he's basically playing road angel that mm-hmm. what he does is he just kind of patrols the road and if bandits attack, he helps out the, the good guys, not the bandits. If somebody falls ill or needs healing, as he's a caster class, I'm probably going to do a druid. Then he's capable of healing them and he will charge them only based on what they can afford or trade with them for food or textiles or whatever it is that he needs. 
Julius Bernie Sanders of Wemix. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Vermin Supreme. He might oh, trade yeah. for he might accept a pony. Oh, oh my god. Mm-hmm. If you play a Wemic with a giant boot on his head. <laughs> oh man, now I'm tempted. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I feel dirty. But Julia's character, she's playing a human right? no, dragonborn. Oh, dragonborn. Gold I, dragonborn. I thought you were human. Okay. So you're playing an old dragonborn ranger mm-hmm. who also does something similar, except She's less healing and feel good because for anyone who's up on their fifth edition, this comes from the Xanthar's something Xantham gum book <laughs> is, <laughs> is the Xanax book, the Xanax book. Yeah. Yes. There's something called the circle of dreams, mm-hmm. which is a subtype so the of Xanax book. Yeah. It's yeah, a subtype okay. of Druid where they're all about healing and creating unnaturally happy and pleasant places and things like that. Like in a bad, like, in a bad way? No, not like it's, not, not like it's a doom trap. Like, well, or like it's you're trapped in happiness. No, it's oh, okay. it's like oh, they're just trying to do good things. Yes, like yeah. like you're miserable, and all of a sudden when they show up, the entirety of nature can change around them, and suddenly your wounds are healing, and you feel at peace. And if evil things come into it, they get penalties and they mm-hmm. struggle, hmm. and so you really do genuinely create a. Aura of, uh, aura of yeah of happiness mm. and safety, and Julius playing someone who does something similar but is more combat oriented. Mm. She's more about fight the bandits, things like that. So it's like, well, here we have two kindred souls that I'm essentially Robin Hood. Right? Yeah, that we're walking <laughs> in the same path, and so we do have interests in common. But there's also core values, life goals, what we're about. It's very similar. Yeah, Yeah, we're walking the same path in life, both literally and figuratively. But then the third thing I would say is, however, accept reality. Mm -hmm. That just as you can follow all the right steps and the chemistry is not there for a friendship or romantic relationship or whatever, in the same way, you just have to accept that for all of your engineering, there's a chance this isn't going to work. You did all you can. Play the game where it's at. And I think that last point is important because... Like I said, I've seen so many characters made that have just tons and tons of very heavily engineered connections and all the good intentions in the world of making these, I, for lack of a better term, high fidelity relationships instead of just on paper connections. Mm-hmm. And there's just some secret sauce that just isn't present. It's just not there and yeah. it doesn't happen. When That's not to say that the, it, the relationships are absent or ignored. It, it just doesn't have that fidelity. It just One of the reasons up. I think that happens is we've talked many times, a lot of people, myself included, I don't know what the voice of my character is going to be until I start playing it. Yeah. Right. I'm Part of that, that is too. because that voice is going to be determined partially by what everyone else at the table is doing. Mm-hmm. As I, I may come in with, I have this mindset, this is what the character is going to be like, mm-hmm. but that doesn't fit with what everyone else is doing. I'm going to bend and it's going to become what is going to be in this group. Right. It's going to be based on what is happening, what they're experiencing. So if you have this on paper of this relationship and you go in thinking my character's going to act <laughs> one way, that's not how I end up playing my character ever. Right. So I always come in with these ideas and the ideas come in to the character, but the actual character isn't fully formed until a session or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like sometimes I'll be I'll have like a full intention of like creating a character who's like not snarky and i always end up <laughs> snarky and i think it's just because people <laughs> tick me off around the game table so i can <laughs> stab at them a little bit right but um yeah i get what you're saying sometimes it takes like being around the people you're gaming with 
No, I game with the same people pretty frequently, and that's why my yeah. character tends to get snarky. So if the characters <laughs> are that way, why would we expect relationships to be any other way than that, too? Very yeah. true. Yeah. Well, and something you'd said earlier, Wayne, is that one of the things that's helping you and Beth is that the backgrounds that you guys have written out for your characters are in the game. And it's not just that, oh, the game master remembered and made had them make an appearance. They're an integral part of the plot. I had them make their parents. And their parents are part of the story of the game. They're not just there. They're part of the history of the land that they're in. Let's look at our the last Guys of Glass game. Mm-hmm. That prequel we did brought all the characters a shared history, but it wasn't just on paper. Right. Because it was on paper, but then we experienced it. Yeah. The experience, I think, is what's different than being on paper. Well, you have to actually see it to start feeling it. Oh, I know where I was going with this. I don't smell toast. So, (laughs) (laughs) Wayne, you were saying that it takes time to get the voice. So the character evolves and changes for the better, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, because it, it is more melding in with the group and the story and the theme of the game and that you had to experience to to get to that point. And for the backgrounds, for, for what you guys wrote, I'm taking the characters and stuff, and I had them do uh, two rumors, one real, one false, and a secret. And I'm taking that and the, the NPCs that they gave me, their parents and some of the history and stuff, and I am hopefully subtly and lightly remixing it as I present it back to them. If they were to take and write out everything that they had given me, it would not match up one for one with the reality that I present them because I need to change it ever so slightly to make sure that it, it integrates into this story and this plot and that it folds in with this theme of their characters and what their characters are as a whole, not individuals. So the shared experiences that you're drawing on are different too. And it takes time to kind of get that. And in that sort of chaos, I think a relationship form, this high fidelity relationship form. Something else I want to talk about here, because this is really, to me, what the elephant in the room is. It's not the characters, it's the players. Years ago, there was a game where I played a guy that owned a freelance ship. I think he was a privateer of some kind. And Chad, this is the game where you were playing a young girl mm-hmm. and Tex, my actual biological brother, was living in St. Louis at the time. And he came into this game and played my co-pilot and in-game brother. Right. Now, needless to say, he and I, having spent years doing crazy stuff together Mm -hmm. and doing all the things that we did, this meshed instantly because he and I knew exactly where the other was at. In the same way, Chad, I have some difficulty picturing myself playing a character in a serious game, Mm -hmm. not a Comedy um, yeah. off, yeah, one shot or something like that. That would not end up meshing with your character anyway. Right. Unless uh, it's a Waymick. Unless it's a Waymick. <laughs> well, even then, we... we, we I could be a Waymick writer. Yeah. Oh. oh my, I'm trying God. to make my Waymick strong enough to have a writer. Because <laughs> they are large enough to count as a mount <laughs> yeah, for we mounted combat. riding into battle, shooting a crossbow from his yes. back. Yes. So Julia may be my, my rider. Yeah. She may be mounting me every game. <laughs> International Women's Day. (laughs) I think in the same way you can have some people who, whether it's because of clash at the table, around the table, Mm -hmm. or maybe just because they like role-playing jackass characters, because of the person, you're not going to mesh. You're you're talking about 
being snarky with your gaming group, probably acting out some real life frustrations probably. With <laughs> under the guise of the game. It's all very, very Freudian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think in the same way, I have seen some situations where it almost gets difficult not to mesh. Uh, an example of this, back to Gnarls, with Gnarl and Saren, Pat's character, God rest his soul. When I made that character, I knew Pat well enough mm-hmm. that I knew how to make a character that would mesh well. Because Pat and I were both, that division between player and character for both of us is very thin. And so I knew that if I made a character that meshed with Pat, it would mesh with his character and vice versa. I knew that if I could find a way to accept Pat's character as a player, that my character would probably accept the, Pat's character as well. And so I intentionally made a character that had Pat's best interests in mind, that was looking to forward all of his goals, yet also had his own distinct goals apart from Pat's, But none of them were in competition with Pat's. And in fact, all of them were supplementary with Pat's. It was very cooperative in design. Mm -hmm. What Narl wanted and what Saren wanted out of the world, these were things that either one of them succeeding helped the other and did not infringe upon the other. And when the game started off, before Narl started building his tribe again and before Saren had a city, Narl was very... Because this was at the phase in their life where Narl was technically his slave, or his property, and so Narl was very deferential to Saren, right. which avoided any clash of will with Pat, mm-hmm. and certainly always created a sense that he and Narl were on the same side, which I knew would speak to Pat. Now, in the same way, except in reverse, <laughs> this is a situation where a personal reaction kept characters from meshing, mm-hmm. because we had a downtime between chapters, and I'm like, you know, Wayne's been kind of on the outside. Sir William, Wayne's yeah. character's been kind of on the outside of this. So Narl's going to kind of adventure with him, do some stuff, maybe even try to teach him some things in his own twisted way. And Wayne's like, nope, I'm not having any of it. I'm going off on my own. Now, two things happen there. One, as the, Sir William was pursuing his own agenda. Sure. Yep. At, at a character-to-character level, Narl saw it as a, it was a disrespect. Right. It's, you know, I'm not part of the pack. I'm doing my own thing. And because of the fact that Narl was like, okay, I need to get you, I need to get your balls to drop, basically, and you're not playing along with this, he lost respect for him. But at the player to player level, I as a person don't deal well with rejection. And so when Wayne is like, no, screw you, I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> and it was phrased that impolitely. I mean, there was literally <laughs> no, it, it was. It was just pure, pure hate and vitriol. Yes. Piss and vinegar. I think he threw his hot coffee right in your face. He did. Literally. Absolutely. Which that is amazing because I don't drink coffee. I know. I, mean, I know. You, you made it, it specifically I, oh, for yeah. that purpose. Yeah, exactly. Just mm-hmm. to throw it in his face. You're like, pardon me. You spend 20 minutes making coffee. Yeah. And I had to do an enormous amount of dry cleaning before the next <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and so, <laughs> you know, and I think we've... Ew. I think we've told that story a few times the in the yeah, past. No. But, no. but the, the, the story of the uh, of Narl and Sir William, there, the, what I was doing with the character for that particularly was he was trying to hook up with the Resistance. Right. The anti-Elder. Which is what Pat's character. There's no way he could do that with Narl, who is supporting an Elder, right there with him. Narl wouldn't have cared, honestly, as long because actually Narl was anti-Elder as well. 
He was just pro Saren. Ah, but if you had been like, I want to go after every elder except Saren, he would have actually helped you. And he, he wouldn't think that. I mean, he's mm. in his mind. He just found out about the Sarens and elder. He's off trying to join the resistance to get rid of the other one group of them in particular. But but the end result was that player to player. You know, I wasn't <laughs> mad at you or something. But it definitely did change. It's like, you know what? I'm not going to attempt to play the character in that direction anymore. Because there was a player-to-player effect to what occurred. And so, like I said, I, I, I never changed the character in such a way as to be hostile or cruel to your character. But it was more like, okay, I as a player am just not going to pursue this. And I think even if we take personal feelings out of it, there's an economy to it. Mm-hmm. Nobody, whether we're talking about a real relationship or a role-played one, is going to keep investing into a dead end. Yeah. You know, one-sided relationships or one-sided attempts are only going to last so long before they die. And so I think that's, once again, something that you've got to keep in mind. If you want this to happen or not happen, you do need to think about the metagame social aspects that are playing into this. I agree. Agreed. Agreed. But I still think that there's a a secret sauce to it. I I still think that you could do all of that stuff. We know you like your secret sauce. I just love it. And it... You would not believe how much dry cleaning I did. (laughs) (laughs) Know what I threw in his face. uh, Yeah, there's just something that that won't... It just doesn't work sometimes. It just doesn't... You are... The two characters are friends, and they work well together, and everybody has fun. And it just doesn't go to this sort of next level. This uh, it, it's it's even hard for me to explain what I'm seeing in this because I think that there will probably be people listening going, "Yeah, that's just, that's just a relationship. That's relationships between characters. It's called role playing. We do it all the time. We make characters. They have relationships, and we we role play every game. What's different?" So I look at the going back to that last Guys of Glass game. Mm-hmm. If I look at all of those characters. The only ones where I think there may be a relationship that's above would be Joe and Motomar. Mm-hmm. Other than that, those were all characters that got along well. They meshed. Right. There was some conflict. They were all good friends. But I can't point to any of those relationships yeah. and say that went above, with the exception of possibly Joe and Motomar. Mm-hmm. I think that, that my character, Lee, didn't really have a relationship with anyone except Casey. And he was too weird and had all this shit going on that he couldn't have a proper, even drawing the line connection relationship with the other characters. He was just too bizarre. But he had one with Casey because, going to those bullet points, they had a shared experience that nobody else really had. There was a lot of stuff on paper. It was Dan and I. The players meshed. And it just... If I had been playing in that game, not running it, Mm -hmm. Casey is very much the type of character I would have played. Right. And I think I can very fairly say he wasn't a GM PC. Nope. Because of the fact that he wasn't ridiculously overpowered. He never dominated the plot points. Hell, sometimes I forgot he was there at all. We we forgot he was there a couple of times. But if I had been playing in that game, I think Casey is the sort of character I would have created. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, actually, Chad, okay, so for anyone listening that's not following Facebook or whatever, <laughs> Chad and I now work at the same company. In fact, he and I actually work side by side. We work on a multidisciplinary team. Mm. What you don't know is that they work 
a certain street together. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, it's just an alibi for moving them rocks, <laughs> but even report to the same person. Right. And so Chad does server stuff. I do software stuff. But you know, like I said, we, we do it literally side by side at times, even sharing desk. But bow chicka bow wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'm telling you. When I was, well, this is side by side sharing desks. It's, the success is all in just pretending the camera isn't rolling. Yeah. And except instead of uh, drawing him like one of my French girls, I uh, drew him like a chicken on fire. That's right. <laughs> I hung it up. Cool. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a native episode reference. And if you were on Patreon, you would have gotten it. Yes. Much so, like that chicken got it. <laughs> those, those chickens. Those chickens. Got they got. All right. But when I was interviewing for that job. Mm-hmm. The guy that is our boss's boss, because actually our boss had not yet been hired either. Right. He and I had the same start date. So our, our our boss's boss was the one interviewing me. And he asked me one-on-one. He said, okay, you've known Chad a long time. He said, is you working with him going to be a problem? And I understood what he was getting at. Mm-hmm. What he was getting at is because we have shared history, is there going to come a point where we have a rocky point in that bromance <laughs> and it, it's, you know, okay, it's right. a, di- it's a different degree, but it's the same basic mechanics of, do you want to work side by side with your spouse? Right. Especially if things go south there, do you want to be working side by side with your spouse? But I, I said to him, the boss that is, I said, I don't, it's not going to be an issue. And I don't, I don't think will for two reasons. Chad loves the adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. But stuff. But no, I said. First off, we've known each other a long time. Obviously, I said we're on we're on very much the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. So there's very few things that Chad and I fundamentally irreconcilably disagree on. We can't even find a middle ground. Usually, he and I are thinking along the same lines before we've even talked. I mean, it's something occurs, and he and I are already thinking the same thing. The only question is who's going to say it first. The other thing I said to him. As I said, you cannot know someone that long and have known someone that much, meaning have spent that much time interacting with them, done this many social activities, gone to the same school as them, et cetera, et cetera, and not have already gone through your difficulties. Right. You're past the honeymoon period, right? You've had Mm -hmm. those issues and you have seen whether the relationship can survive them or not. You have seen whether... You can We've recognize seen each other at our worst. We've seen each other at our best. Precisely. It's yeah. And, and so I told us, I, I really don't think it will be a problem because we're already on the same wavelength and we've already worked past so much of that. And if I look at something like Casey and Lee mm. in the skies of glass game, was there something going on there that was, more about the GM and player relationship than it was about the character relationships. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I have no delusion otherwise, but at the character level, and maybe some of this is because of how well Chad and I know each other, but I was able to design somebody who was going to be a fellow traveler on Lee's path, who was going to be strong where Lee was weak, weak where Lee was strong. They were going to give each other an opportunity to shine. They had shared interests, shared goals, shared experiences, and shared values. They had a shared mm-hmm. system of value. And there were things that they knew instinctively and intuitively, both having grown up in the same 
dysfunctional organizations in and around mm. what's left of St. Louis, that that was already going to be there. These characters were in all probability going to be walking the same path. And I think there's something similar. Now, it's not played out yet, but I think there's something similar, even if to a lesser degree, that's going on in this D&D game, mm -hmm. where Julie and I are designing characters who are both do-gooder road angels right. that aren't really well-liked within our respective societies. You guys have the, the framework set up. Now you just need to fill in some of the details that connects that framework all together. She's small and needs to mount something. <laughs> You're big and need to be mounted. He does melee and healing. She does combat buffs and ranged, and you just put them together. And I like animals. And, love, and he's half of one. Freaking love animals. <laughs> they follow me around. I'm really hoping that her animal form she picks is going to be a shemic. <laughs> oh. Like I picture, I picture this ranger being a badass Snow White. Like a <laughs> badass all, Snow White. All of the creatures around me all the time. They just follow me. <laughs> like if Snow White had a crossbow. Right. <laughs> I think I'm actually gonna make that character now. <laughs> Except looks like a dragon. You know. Yeah. A gold yeah. one. But in a really because good. fire. Well, you were originally gonna be a, a uh, white dragon, weren't you? And then Mary, oh, I thought about Mary it. talked you out of it because she's like, well, they're really dumb. Yes. <laughs> she said that white dragons tend to be dumb. Maybe I should see if she'll let me, like... You, you're an exceptional white dragon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're a, exceptional. a white dragon savant. I have black hair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's some question about who the father really was. Yeah. <laughs> you're a gray dragon. <laughs> And I got raped awake. Let's not forget about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's what happens to Snow White. Oh. Oh, and the actual... I, I thought you've been in the game, and no. I'm like, I missed this kidding. part of character I'm just, creation. I'm just trying to point out that okay. we're really actually building Snow White. Right. But, uh... <laughs> didn't you ever real, read the real one? Or was that Sleeping Beauty? One of the two. They both fell asleep. <laughs> and rape, I guess. Why not? Sure. Well, the real, the real, the real fables are really horrible. Yeah, they're they're not for kids. They're they, very dark. One of them woke up in childbirth. The other one woke up having being raped. I believe. Mm. I forget which one was which. But it was a prince, so you know. Yeah, well, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it all. It's Fifty Shades of Grey stuff. Yeah. You know, he's wealthy, she so it's, it's right. Yeah, yeah, but the, <sighs> it'll be fun. I'm I'm excited just because. Can the like listeners a... hear Wayne and I judging? <laughs> no, you should be for for anyone who's like already writing those emails. We are our point is we are condemning this. Yes, we are not yes. like yeah. We we are trying to point out this is horrible. Yeah. So no, no, we're just judging the whole Weemic. Oh, that's fine. Crazy. You can judge player. the Weemic thing. You could I, dumb I, dragon. I'm totally going to get a. I don't want to be a dumb dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't. Need I chose to be smart gold one. because of fire. Yeah, because silvers, they're smart and well, they're good aligned as well, but they're uh, frost. Ice, ice yeah, it's frost. ice and frost. I just did, probably should do that because, you know, grasslands and fire don't really mix. Yeah. Oh, they mix really well. <laughs> yeah, well, they do, that. and that's kind yeah. of maybe the problem. And I'm not playing like the eco terrorist druid. There is a subclass for that because mm -hmm. druids have to pick a circle just like sure. sorcerers have to pick a bloodline. Mm -hmm. The druids have to pick a circle. And there are one or two of the circles that are kind of that eco terrorist sort yeah. of druid. And that's not what I picked. I picked more of just kind of the you find your happy place along a stream sort the of hippie. The yeah. hippie. One. The road. You know, when he when he yeah. pitched it and like I know what a Waymick is, but for some reason when he was talking about the, how the character was gonna be, I just pictured that 
yak or whatever, or whatever it is from Zootopia. I don't know. Idris Elba as yes, the police yak? He, no, 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 no. Uh, maybe it's not a yak. It's the hippie. They go into the hippie compound. Oh, the hippie one where he's naked. Yeah. yeah is yeah. that a yak? I don't know. Or an axe or something. And I don't know. Idris Elba was a water buffalo. Water buffalo. Yeah. But yeah, he just sits there and like he stands up and he's naked and he's got like dreadlocks. He's like, oh man. Like, and I'm just like, that's your character in my brain now. Like, <laughs> oh, it's that like is the- not my character. <laughs> like, maybe this framework isn't as solid as I thought. Yeah. If, if you're <laughs> picturing kidding. hippie, I've got to rethink the whole like, thing. Like, that was before you kind of flushed out your character. But when yeah. he talked uh, about what, like, the base of it i'm oh, like oh, a happy <laughs> circle and i'm a kitty who's happy and i make yeah, people happy we do yoga here and we're naked <laughs> if it's a wimmick are you fleshing out the character or hiding out the character oh, uh, wow. i'm furring out the character fuzzing out the character uh, i don't actually know what a wimmick is it's it's a a, i'm just figuring a centaur. a centaur it's a cat centaur it's a lion centaur yeah okay meow yeah exactly <laughs> and i'm not lying mm-hmm. oh god we're going to attack uh, here's my attack for meow Show me your war face. <laughs> I'm going to like the best version of that. The best version of the full metal jacket. Show me your war face mm-hmm. meme. And I, there's been several. One of the good ones was the Disney mm-hmm. full metal jacket. But I found one that's even funnier. At least to me. I'm going to link it in the show notes. This is going to be, And it is completely safe for work. To the best of my recollection, there's no profanity or anything like that. And it, it's just funny. So it is safe for work, and I'll mark it accordingly if it's not, and I remembered wrong. But anyway, anyway, you guys have a great week and great games, Graymit games, and you <laughs> are a dirty, dirty woman. I will catch you next time. Yeah. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2018. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.